7600 is the call in them if you have a question or comment. So I was watching the uh, uh, debate on the Senate floor today over the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. And I saw the um, I saw the uh, remarks from Senator Tim Scott, uh, Republican, black Republican from uh, South Carolina. And then also right after him was uh, Senator Cory Booker of uh, New Jersey. And I'm going to share some of the comments from Senator Cory Booker. Senator Tim Scott is the Isaiah T. Montgomery of um, the Republican Party. And if you don't remember who Isaiah T. Montgomery is, um, Isaiah T. Montgomery was the only African-American at the uh, Mississippi State uh, Convention in 1890 when um, the white supremacists voted to impose poll taxes and literacy tests to suppress the African-American vote. And uh, Isaiah T. Montgomery voted along with the white supremacists. And that's uh, who Senator Tim Scott reminds me of. So um, if we if we look at it, we're going to talk about the um, a breaking news story out of the Senate. Washington Post has this piece here. Manchin Cinema joined with GOP in rejecting uh, rejecting attempt to change filibuster rules, effectively killing Democratic voting bill. We're going to talk about that. We'll let you hear uh, some of what uh, some of what Senator Cory Booker ha- had to say today, because uh, Senator Tim Scott was didn't want to deal with the facts about the voter suppression laws that Republicans are pushing and have already passed in state legislatures uh, across the country. So it was a bunch of nonsense that Senator Tim Scott was uh, uh, talking about today. So so New York Times has this piece. I've been following this all day. I've been watching uh, the Senate debates take place. I shared it. Roland Martin was broadcasting it live all day. I shared the uh, broadcast from Roland Martin's uh, Facebook page. This article here from the New York Times, very interesting. Senators Tim Scott, and Cory Booker clash over Jim Crow comparisons. And, um, you know, Senator Tim Scott, Black Tea Party Republican out of South Carolina, only Black Republican in the Senate, is up for re-election in 2024. He needs to be voted out of office. Senators Tim Scott and Cory Booker, two of only three Black people, African-Americans serving in the Senate, had a heated exchange over whether it was appropriate to liken modern voting restrictions to Jim Crow. Senator Tim Scott, who is, he may be a distant relative of Isaiah T. Montgomery. I'm not sure if not, he's the reincarnation of Isaiah T. Montgomery. Senator Tim Scott, um, uh, Senator Tim, okay, Kevin, uh, we'll we'll go to the phone lines after the break. Thanks. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, a Republican from South Carolina. Now, keep in mind, South Carolina is where the Civil War started, okay? Um, He spoke first excoriating President Biden for calling new Republican-backed laws Jim Crow 2.0. 
Senator, Senator Tim Scott said, I asked myself how many Americans understand what Jim Crow was. He said, mentioning literacy tests, intimidation, and the threat of lynching, and calling the comparisons, quote, offensive to millions of Americans who fought, bled, and died for the first for, for the right to vote, end quote. W wasn't there a gallow at the insurrection on January 6th? That was incited by Donald Trump and Senator Ted Cruz and 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 uh, Rudy Giuliani. Wasn't there a gallo with a hangman's noose? Weren't Trump supporters? Some of them, not all of them, not not all of them there, but it was a, a good number of them. They have it on recorded. They were saying, "Hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence." You do understand that during. Um, even during the Jim Crow era, you do understand that when you have domestic terrorist organizations like the Ku Klux Klan, it wasn't just African-Americans that being, being lynched. It was white Republicans that were being lynched as well. If you really want to deal with the history. Tim Scott is from South Carolina, where President Ulysses S. Grant had to declare martial law in October of 1871, using the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, because the Klan was attacking um, African-American elected officials as well as white Republicans who were elected officials. Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. So I, I find it very interesting that now Tim Scott voted against the Voting Rights Acts today. And I mean, he's like he's like Isaiah T. Montgomery, the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871 on uh, April 20th, 1871. On this date, the House of Representatives approved an act to uh, enforce the provisions of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution of the United States and for other purposes, also known as the Ku Klux Klan Act introduces H.R. 320 on March 28, 1871, by Representative Samuel uh, Shalabarger of Ohio. The bill passed the House of Representatives on April 6, 1871, um, and returned from the Senate with amendments in April, uh, on April 14th. The Ku Klux Klan Act was the third of a series of increasingly stringent enforcement acts, increasingly stringent enforcement acts. It was designed to eliminate extra legal violence and protect the civil and political rights of 4 million freed slaves. The 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution ratified in 1868 defined citizenship and guaranteed due process and equal protection of the law to all. Vigilante groups like the Ku Klux Klan, however, freely threatened African-Americans and their white allies. Vigilante groups like the Ku Klux Klan and, uh, uh, and the Ku Klux Klan, however, freely threatened African-Americans and their white allies in the South and undermined the Republican Party's plan for reconstruction. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. I'm going to let you hear how Senator Cory Booker excoriated 
Isaiah T. Montgomery. I mean, Senator Tim Scott. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. iRedify is a Black-owned digital platform that showcases Black and Brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iredify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. Stop for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. The Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m., The Superstation. Future Radio, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Wednesday, January 19th, 2022, and we are live. Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so right before the break, we were uh, dealing with what happened uh, in the U.S. Senate today in the Senate uh, debate over the uh, two Voting Rights Acts, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the uh, Freedom to Vote Act. Um, and the Freedom to Vote Act is Joe Manchin's bill that he could not get any Republicans to vote for. And I was talking about what happened um, the, the, during the debates on the Senate floor. Senator Tim Scott made some of the dumbest arguments today um, and he, he voted against the voting rights bill. Surprise, surprise, surprise. But we were talking about the, um, I was talking about the Ku Klux Klan Act of, uh, 1871 and relating it to what happened today on the Senate floor. Senators Tim Scott and Cory Booker clash over Jim Crow comparisons. This is a piece from, uh, the New York Times. Senators Tim Scott and Cory Booker clash over Jim Crow comparisons. And Senator Tim Scott saying the voter suppression tactics taking place today are not Jim Crow 2.0 things. Are they, yes, they are. Go study what happened after uh, Reconstruction ended and uh, the poll taxes of Florida in 1889 and the Mississippi uh, State Convention of uh, 1890 when they um, rewrote the uh, Mississippi State uh, Constitution to impose poll taxes and literacy tests. 
and Solomon Saladin Calhoun, who was the uh, white county judge who presided over the convention, said, we are here to exclude the Negro. Okay, and you saw you saw a a violent insurrection, attempted insurrection took place January 6th. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890, we're here to exclude the Negro. The convention's president, Solomon, Solomon Saladin Calhoun, a white county judge, put the voting issue bluntly. He said, let's tell the truth if it bursts the bottom of the universe. He said, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. Now, just because they don't tell you blatantly today that they're trying to exclude the Negro, if that's what they do, reduce, it's not going to exclude all of them, but if it reduces the percentage turnout, if it reduces the percentage that votes, if you are passing bills like Senate Bill 202 in Georgia, which allows state county boards to overturn election results, it allows state boards to overturn election results at the county level that they don't like, like in Fulton County, where, where Atlanta is and has a heavy African-American population, Fulton County, what are you doing? You don't have to explicitly say that you're trying to exclude the Negro. You just set it up to do that. And, and, and Latinos and Asian-Americans, delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in a state with a black majority. African-Americans were the majority of the population in Mississippi when this was done. We see that the majority of the growth in Georgia over the past 10 years has been in the African-American and the Latino population. We see the same thing in Texas. So they don't have to say that they're excluding the Negro. They just have to, uh, they just have to pass the bills in the state Senate to target non-white populations. The Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South, part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. Read this full article. We've talked about this a number of times because this is history repeating itself because the reason why you needed the Voting Rights Act in 1965 is because of what happened in Mississippi in 1890, South Carolina 1895, Louisiana 1898, Alabama 1901, Georgia, Oklahoma, uh, different states, they all copied what Mississippi did. So if we go back to uh, this right here, this article, and then we'll go to the phone lines. Um, So Senator Tim Scott said, I asked myself how many Americans understand what Jim Crow was. He said, mentioning literacy tests, intimidation, and the threat of lynching, and calling the comparisons, quote, offensive to millions of Americans who fought, bled, and died for the right to vote, end quote. Well, now, do you want to include the police officers, the 140 police officers who were assaulted by domestic terrorists that uh, attacked them during the insurrection January 6th and the police officers who died? You want to include them in this, Senator Tim Scott? Senator Tim Scott accused Democrats of misrepresenting provisions of Georgia's new voting law and recounted his own electoral history He was elected to the House after winning a Republican primary against the son of the segregationist Strom Thurmond. He also noted that two of the three sitting black senators himself and Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat of Georgia, represented Southern states. It is very now it's very interesting that Tim Scott will mention Raphael Warnock because 
the voter suppression law, Senate Bill 202, that passed in the state legislature in Georgia came after Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff won, and it was it was partly in response to them and Joe Biden winning Georgia, African Americans organizing people like Stacey Abrams, Insay Ufa, New Georgia Project, things like this. But let's let's go even deeper because this is this is what happens when you deal with an Isaiah T. Montgomery. So if we go back to uh, the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, even though it was weakened by the U.S. Supreme Court around 1875, 1880, about 1883, the U.S. Supreme Court weakened it, but it's still on the books now and is being used by some of the police officers who were attacked by the domestic terrorists January 6th is being used by people like um, Benny Thompson. Okay. Uh, uh, representative from Mississippi. Okay. Because it's designed to protect elected officials operating in their, uh, operating in their official capacity from being attacked by terrorists like the Ku Klux Klan. Vigilante groups like the Ku Klux Klan, however, freely threaten African-Americans and their white allies in the South and undermine the Republican Party's plan for reconstruction. The bill authorized the president of the United States to intervene in the formal rebel states that attempted to deny, quote, any person they, that attempted to deny any person or any class of persons of the equal protection of the laws or of equal privileges or immunities under the laws, end quote. To take action against this newly defined federal crime, the president of the United States could suspend habeas corpus, that means have, having your day in court, going to, going to court, suspend habeas corpus, deploy the U.S. military, or use other means as he may deem necessary. Opponents denounce the bill as an unconstitutional attack on state governments and individual liberty. So what happened was, is that this was used by President Ulysses S. Grant on uh, April 20th, I'm sorry, in October, 1871. Nearly six months later, after President Ulysses S. Grant signed the bill into law, in October, 1871, President Ulysses S. Grant used these powers in several Southern, in several South Carolina counties, in several South Carolina counties where Tim Scott is from, South Carolina, demonstrating the willingness of the Republican-led federal government to take decisive action to protect the civil and political rights of the freed people during Reconstruction. President Ulysses S. Grant declared martial law in nine counties in South Carolina because the, the Klan was attacking and, and, uh, uh, African-American elected officials and, and white Republicans, things like this. This is the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. It's still on the books, even though it's been weakened. It was weakened by the U.S. Supreme Court. It's still on the books. All right, let's go quickly to the phone lines. Let's go um, to who we have here. Uh, let's go to Ur Urban. Huh? The caller hung up. All right. You call back, caller. All right. 
we have a lot to deal with. 313-778-7600 is the call and the number if you have a question or comment. So I want to go to, um, I sent you uh, the clip there, Kevin. Uh, let's go to uh, clip number one. I, I want you to hear some of what uh, Senator Cory Booker had to say today. Okay. So if we if we look at this, uh, let's look at this piece because we're coming up here on the break. Let's look at um, this article here from the Washington Post. And I want you to hear some of what happened, what Senator Cory Booker had to say today. Manson Cinema joined with GOP in rejecting attempt to filibuster rules effectively killing democratic voting bill okay we'll, we'll continue this on the other side of the break this is the african history network show on michael m hotel we'll be back in a few minutes the work that i do is larger than the fashion industry it's larger than the art world and i believe that i was born to bring newness into this world i'm kaima mcintyre i'm 24 years old and i'm an artist I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. and She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. All right. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, uh, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Wednesday, January 19th, 2022, and we are live Call number is 313-778-7600. Uh, 
313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, I'm going to send you this link again, uh, Kevin. Uh, this should be uh, this should be queued up at the uh, at the two hour twenty one minute mark. It should be queued up uh, right where uh, we want it. Okay, uh, is that Senator Tim Scott or Cory Booker? Oh, okay. So it should be like the right around two, right around two hours, 21 minutes. Okay. You go ahead and start it. You can go ahead and press play. Thanks. Something. Senator from South Carolina. Thank you, Madam President, for the opportunity to talk about well, something really important to all Americans, but specifically important to. Well, hey, hey Kevin, Kevin, South, Kevin did, advance like it to the two hour, 21 minute I, mark. Cause I don't. I don't have time to get all of uh, Tim Scott. Just, just if you just advance it to right around two hours twenty one minutes. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Like the past. However, even that is false. Uh, what else is in that Georgia law that is the, supposedly the poster child of voter suppression? It allows for early voting to include now the souls to the polls where you have. Sundays where you can vote early. As a matter of fact, 17 days of early voting, more early voting than the president's own home state or New York. It allows for mail-in ballots without an excuse. The same thing that was turned down by the voters in New York. No excuse. On-demand mail-in ballots is now the law. In Georgia, new drop boxes. That pre-pandemic, there was it was not legal to have a drop box in Georgia. Now it is legal to have a drop box in Georgia, and voter ID, supported by at least 60% of African Americans, 60% of Hispanics, 60% or more of the majority population. After going through point by point. And realizing in South Carolina the minority turnout was stronger than the overall turnout in South Carolina. And two of the three African-American senators in the United States Senate today, two of us, represent those southern states. It's hard to deny progress when two out of three come from the southern states that people say are the places where African-American African-American votes are being suppressed. Not to mention the fact that 2020 was a banner year for minority participation in the greatest nation on earth from a voting perspective. And that is, my friends, good news. The Democrats' proposal would allow for the supporters of Bernie Sanders and their tax dollars to go into my re-election account. I oppose that. It would undermine voter ID laws across our country. I oppose that. It puts unaccountable bureaucrats in charge of our elections. Americans oppose that. And walking in on the day of the election, Registering to vote without any verification is something I, too, oppose. 
And so, Madam President, when I think about the important issue of voting, and when I think about the issue of voter, voter suppression, the land on my front porch, because of the guy who has voted in the Deep South all my life, was a person who was born in 1965 with a mama who understands racism, discrimination, and separate and not equal. The grandfather who I took the vote and helped him cast his vote because he was unable to read. To have a conversation in a narrative that is blatantly false is offensive, not just to me or Southern Americans, but offensive to millions of Americans who fought, bled, and died for the right to vote. So if we're going to have an honest conversation about the right to vote, let's engage in that based on the facts of the laws that are being passed, not the rhetoric surrounding those laws, where it looks like power is more important than people. I'll close with this. The Civil War of this nation started in my hometown. One of the most powerful, popular senators in the history of America was Strom Thurmond. 2010, when I ran for Congress, I ran for Congress in the place where the Civil War started. And I ran for Congress in a Republican primary against the son of Strom Thurmond. I won that race, not merely because of who I am, but because of who we have become as a nation. The evolution of the hearts of America and the hearts of Southerners could not be more clear on a day when the son of a single mother, mired in poverty, runs against the son one of the most famous senators in the history of the country and comes out victorious. I would love for us to have a conversation about what we're doing for Americans as opposed to this negative false narrative of what is happening to America. Thank you, Madam President. Okay, now here Madam comes President, Cory Booker. A senator from New Jersey. I have deep and, and, and uh, tremendous respect for my friend uh, from South Carolina. I'm not a senator from the South, but my family hails from the South. From Monroe, Louisiana, to Alabama, to North Carolina, I know my roots, and I know the challenges of Jim Crow, and thank God we are not in a time of Jim Crow. The history that my friend talked to, I know I know this history, and I know my colleagues in the Senate know this history. We're all not blind to what happened in terms of racial oppression going back to the founding of this nation. The Constitution that people have been waving around, it's hard not to read that and not see that many of the compromises were based upon an acquiescence to that original sin of this nation than slavery. 
we know the violence of he, what he said and talked about. I, I'm frustrated that we can agree that there has been overwrought language on both sides of the political aisle around this issue, but we should be focusing on the facts. I have a hard time listening to people that want to talk about this issue and don't talk about facts. In the United States today, it is more difficult for the average African-American to vote than the average white American. That is not rhetoric. That is fact. We know that black voters on average are forced to wait online twice as long as white voters. We began this session today swearing an oath to that flag, saying that this would be a nation of liberty and justice for all. Where is the justice in a nation that there is, on average, for a black person twice as long to vote? It, it's, it's factual, but let's, let's keep going, because I heard my colleague speak. During the 2016 presidential election, residents of entirely black neighborhoods waited to vote. They were 74% more likely to spend more than 30 minutes at their polling place relative to residents of entirely white neighborhoods. That's a fact. Similar racial disparities were observed right before the pandemic. In the 2018 midterm elections, a Brennan Center report found that Latino voters waited almost 46% longer than white voters, and black voters about 45%. The report also found that Latino and black voters were more likely than white voters to wait in the longest of lines on election day. You could go into state after state and you will see who waits actually on longer lines. Georgia. Are we going to reduce this to just being about water? I find that law offensive, but that's not the thing that offends me most. You want to know what's going on in Georgia right now? They have a historical pattern of dwindling polling places in the diverse areas, with some voters in Georgia waiting up to 10 hours in predominantly black neighborhoods. Okay, pause it right there. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. Also, now all this is connected because, see, yesterday we talked about this article here, and I've been studying this for years. Report, more than 1,600 polling places have closed since the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act with Shelby County versus Holder, 2013 U.S. Supreme Court case. Most of these voting polls were in minority communities. This article is from Mother Jones, September 10th, 2019. We'll do with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. 
Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. All right, welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation Future Radio. Be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. The two-and-a-half-hour uh, lecture that I've done dealing with the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary will not be televised on the television. We have that right on the homepage of our website. It's in digital download format and DVD format. DVD is $10. Digital download format is $8. You can also register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. We have a bundle pack for a very limited time only. You can register for both classes for only $70, directly $130 each. We do the sessions live. They're archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. Uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We do that on Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then Sundays, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Kemet, original names for Egypt. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understand the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We do those on Sundays. Do that on Sundays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you want me to do a presentation for your group organization, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. We know African American History Month is coming up. I have a fantastic presentation for Black History Month, African American History Month, and other uh, topics as well. AHN show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, so right before the break, um, we were listening to the rebuttal from Senator Cory Booker today on the Senate floor during the debate over the Voting Rights Acts. He was rebutting Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Let's go back to Senator Cory Booker. This for a second. You want to talk about voter suppression? You're working a job, you're taking care of young kids, and you're going to give up a day's salary in Georgia to vote? You want to talk about a modern-day poll tax? And my friends on the other side are saying that race is not an issue here? 
I'm going to continue with facts because I was flabbergasted that someone could stand up here and say there's not a different experience for blacks and whites from voting. I'm just going to continue to read the facts. Since Shelby the Holder that eviscerated the Voting Rights Act that people like Goodman, Cheney, and Schwarner died for, black voters in Georgia have faced disproportionately longer lines and fewer polling places. The average number of voters per polling place have grown 40% in diverse Atlanta metro since 2012, and voters in black neighborhoods waited nearly 10 times as long on average after polling places were closed in neighborhoods. I'm looking for amen from my, my, from my colleague from Georgia. I mean, in what country are we where a certain minority and predominantly minority communities has to wait 10 times as long? And so when you read, and I've heard my colleagues read these laws, they read, well, what's wrong with having no drop boxes? Because, hey, we didn't have them before the pandemic. What's wrong with, with uh, not having that many days uh, to vote by mail? What's wrong with these things is obvious because they're not designed for voter protection. They're not designed to help voters have more access to the polls. They are designed to suppress the vote and create these longer lines. That is the obvious result. And if you can't see that, I'm flabbergasted. I'm sorry. It's hard. This is not my turn to speak, and forgive me to my colleagues, but I am flabbergasted that the Republican Party, the party of the 14th Amendment, the party that once fought for equal access to the polls is now creating this ruse that every 19 states, that the states that are passing these laws, 19 states, this is not about voter protection. Donald Trump's own person said that the last election was the safest, most secure election in American history. This is not about in-person voter fraud. Study after study has shown that you're more likely to be struck by lightning. <laughs> this is about lies. I'm sorry, this is about lies, and they're targeting groups. I'm going to go on with the facts, but I just want to talk about students for a second. I heard my Senator John Tester. I, I've heard my colleagues from New Hampshire, I, and they're not hiding the ball, folks. They're, they're, not, they're not trying to tell us, oh, we're concerned about it. As early as 2011, state Republican House Speaker at the time in New Hampshire, Senators, you know William O'Brien? Can I get a hallelujah there? Promised to clamp down on unrestricted voting by students, calling them Kids voting liberal, voting their feelings with no life experience. I hear what you're saying, that this is, all these laws are innocuous on their face. But if you start looking at the legislative record, 
you see groups are being targeted in this country. Polling places are diminishing on college campuses. Voter ID laws are being created so complex in Midwestern states that they're saying you, you can't use a four-year ID. It's got to be a two-year ID. That's some of the laws that are being passed. Can somebody be a witness on that? And, and I hear this rhetoric where people pull out one law. Well, look at this law. This is just about shrinking the days, or this is so innocuous on its face. And I know there are people at home thinking to myself, hey, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Maybe Republicans have a point. No, let's return to the facts. All right, pause it right there, uh, Kevin. Pause it right there. All right, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes. We'll be back tomorrow. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the online classes. I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Remember, right now is correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay, let me cue this up. Let me, uh, let's keep going here. Okay, so this is, um, I'm going to post the link here to the full uh, debate. Roland Martin broadcasted this all day, the Black Star Media Network. I'm on Roland Martin Unfiltered every Friday as a panelist. Okay, so I'm going to post, and you get to see the whole thing. You get to see all the senators uh, debate on the Senate floor. So let's post this right here. And... Let's, uh, okay, now this well, this one article here that I was showing, we'll go back to Senator Cory Book in just a minute. This is from October 17th, 2020, NPR.org, National Public Radio. Why do non-white Georgia voters have to wait in line for hours? Too few polling places. Why do non-white Georgia voters have to wait in line for hours? Too few polling places and it goes through and it talks about um hundreds of people were waiting in the heat and rain outside the lush tree-lined complex in union city and atlanta suburb with twenty-two thousand four hundred residents nearly 88 percent of them african-american um and they talk about kathy uh this woman named kathy spotted the long lines of voters as she pulled and to the Christian City Welcome Center about 3.30 p.m. ready to cast her ballot in the June 9th primary election. She briefly considered not casting a ballot at all, but decided to stay. By the time Kathy got inside, more than five hours later, the polls had officially closed and the electronic scanners were shut down. Poll workers told her, she would have to cast a provisional ballot, but they promised that her vote would be counted. Kathy said, I'm now angry again. I'm now angry again. I'm frustrated again. And now I have an added emotion, which is anxiety. Kathy uh, is a human services worker, recalling her emotions at the time. She asked that her full name not be used because she fears repercussions from speaking out. She said, I'm wondering if my ballot is going to count, end quote. By the time the last voter finally got inside the welcome center to cast a ballot, it was the next day 
June 10th. Okay, Isaiah T. Montgomery Jr. or Senator Tim Scott doesn't want to deal with things like this. The clogged polling locations in Metro Atlanta reflect an underlying pattern. The number of places to vote has shrunk statewide with little recourse. Although the reduction in polling places has taken place across racial lines, it has primarily caused long lines in non-white neighborhoods where voter registration has surged and more residents cast ballots in person on election day. Although the reduction in polling places has taken place across racial lines, it has primarily caused long lines in non-white neighborhoods where voter registration has surged and more residents cast ballots in person on election day. The pruning of polling places started long before the COVID-19 pandemic, coronavirus pandemic, which has discouraged people from voting in person. In Georgia, considered a battleground state for control of the White House and U.S. Senate, because this is October 2020, so this is a month before the election. The difficulty of voting in African-American communities like Union City could possibly tip the results on November 3rd. With massive turnout expected, lines could even could be even longer than they were for the primary, despite a rise in mail-in voting and Georgians already turning out by the hundreds of thousands to cast ballots early. Since the U.S. Supreme Court's Shelby County versus Holder decision in 2013 eliminated federal oversight of election decisions in states with histories of discrimination, Georgia's voter rolls have grown by nearly 2 million people since 2013. 2013 to 2020, 27 years. Georgia's voter rolls over that basically seven year period of time have grown by nearly 2 million people, yet polling locations have been cut statewide by nearly 10%. You think elections don't have consequences? You're not studying this type of information. The population in Georgia grew by 2 million people from 2013 to 2020, but polling locations in Georgia have been cut statewide by 10%. According to an analysis of state and local records by Georgia Public Broadcasting and ProPublica, much of the growth in Georgia has been fueled by younger non-white voters, especially in nine metro Atlanta counties, where four out of five new voters were non-white, according to the Georgia Secretary of State's office. Well, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, that stole the election from Stacey Abrams, used to be Secretary of State of Georgia. Read, read this full article here. This is what Senator Cory Booker is talking about. Talking about why do non-white Georgia voters have to wait in line for hours? 
too few polling places. NPR.org, National Public Radio, October 17th, 2020. Now, I, I, now I told, I was telling people, I was warning people in Georgia about Brian Kemp when he was running against Stacey Abrams. And then you had these simple Simon ass people saying Stacey Abrams doesn't have a black agenda, but they were too stupid to realize Brian Kemp has an anti-black agenda. They were too stupid to realize that Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia has an anti-black agenda. And an anti-black agenda is worse than not having a black agenda. You may not have policies specifically designed for an African-American community, but you can have policies that will benefit everybody. But that's different than people who have policies who are deliberately trying to do you harm. It's the same thing I warned people about in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis. I said, Governor Ron DeSantis has to be stopped. Simple Simon asked, people say, Andrew Gillum doesn't have a black agenda, but Ron DeSantis has an anti-black agenda. So let's look at, um, now this one right here, this is from the Brennan, Brennan Center for Justice. Waiting to vote, BrennanCenter.org. Long waits and polling places are disruptive, disenfranchising, and all too common. Black and Latino voters are especially likely to endure them. So read this here, Brennan Center for Justice. Okay, so I want to go back to uh, Senator Cory Booker here. Let me see if I can cue this up at the right. Let me see. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go back to Senator Corbin. Safest, most secure election in American history. This is not about in-person voter fraud. Study after study has shown that you're more likely to be struck by lightning. <laughs> this is about lies. I'm sorry, this is about lies and they're targeting groups. I'm gonna go on with the facts, but I just wanna talk about students for a second. I heard my Senator John Tester. I, I, I've heard my colleagues from New Hampshire. I, and they're not hiding the ball, folks. They're, they're, not, they're not trying to tell us, oh, we're concerned about it. As early as 2011, state Republican House Speaker at the time in New Hampshire, Senators, you know William O'Brien? Can I get a hallelujah there? Promised to clamp down on unrestricted votings by students, calling them kids voting liberal. Voting their feelings with no life experience. I hear what you're saying, that this is... a, a uh oh, these laws are innocuous on their face. But if you start looking at the legislative record, you see groups are being targeted in this country. Polling places are diminishing on college campuses. Voter IDs laws are being created so complex and 
Midwestern states that they're saying you, you can't use a four-year ID. It's got to be a two-year ID. That's some of the laws that are being passed. Can somebody be a witness on that? And, and I hear this rhetoric where people pull out one law. Well, look at this law. This is just about shrinking the days, or this is so innocuous on its face. And I know there are people at home thinking to myself, hey, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Maybe Republicans have a point. No, let's return to the facts. I'm going to go to Texas because I heard the senator from Texas accuse this body of creating rhetoric that was divisive. You want to know what's divisive to a country that's, that says e pluribus unum above where the presiding person is? You know what I want to know what's divisive? Is telling people in the congresswoman's state that if you live in a predominantly minority area, we're going to remove polling places and change laws so that black folks disproportionately are waiting 5, 10, 15 times longer. Facts. The burden of long lines in polling places, closures in Texas, in the post-Shelby County area, often falls disproportionately on black and Latino voters. Congresswoman, of the approximately 750 sites Texas has closed since Shelby v. Holder, 542 were in the 50 counties with the fastest growing black and Latino populations. Don't lecture me about Jim Crow. I know this is not 1965. That's what makes me so outraged. It's 2022. And they're blatantly removing more polling places from the counties where black and Latinos are overrepresented. I'm not making that up. That is a fact. I'm not going to stop because I'm tired of hearing that this does not have to do about singling out certain populations in our country, students, Native Americans, and, and not others. I'm not accusing anybody. Please, let's not throw around the defense where we crouch into defensive postures accusing anybody of being racist. I'm just speaking to the facts in our country that I know motivate everybody here. A hundred of my, 99 of my colleagues know it is wrong to create barriers for some populations and not others under the guise of a lie that there's a voter security problem. Let me continue. I'm sorry, Congresswoman, to keep talking about Texas. In the presidential primary on March 3rd, voters at the historically black Texas Southern University in Houston waited not an hour, not two hours, not three, four, five, waited six hours. At a poll of Texas voters conducted just in 2020 election underscored the disparity of non-white voters facing casting their ballots. I'm sorry, Senator Kane, you were very good when you talked about that sign of 98% of people happy. I sat here stunned. I, I was wondering who they were polling. 
because they were not polling black and Latino voters in Texas when they, when they did that. Let me give you the facts. 48% of black voters and 55% of Latino voters in Texas found it easy to vote. But that leaves a lot of folks that didn't think it was easy. White voters, actually 65% think it's easy to vote. Everybody's not happy. People who wait in six-hour lines are not happy. I just want to give a couple more facts. Let's go to my dad's home state. North Carolina was one of the states most affected by poll closures. There were 158 fewer polling places in 40 counties with large black communities. And African-American voter participation dropped 16%. Why? Well, my friend Bennett said this. We still live in a country where the economic disparities between blacks and whites are, is what it was in the 1960s. And so if you're a black struggling family and your option to vote means standing in line for 10 hours compared to predominantly white counties where the wait is longer, you don't go vote. And that's not just black folks. The stories about disabled voters with about one in seven or one in eight pointing out that it's hard for them to vote because of physical impediments that's discriminatory against them. That doesn't mean people here are anti-disabled. We're not throwing those labels around. I'm just talking about the facts. And, and, and so I, I just want my colleagues to know that I, I, can't, I, I, I can pull story after story of these states, the 19 that are passing these laws. If you pull them out and want to read them out absent context, you're going to try to obscure the larger picture that's going on in our nation is that we are seeing entirely Republican legislatures, entirely Republican legislators passing laws that are disproportionately impacting certain groups by the facts. And so I, I want to close with this because I love what, on the, on the march across the Edmund Pettit Bridge, they were stopped, beaten back. They tried to go again with King, again blocked by Alabama state troopers, but they finally got to their destination to protest voting rights. And I love what King said there. He, he talked about those people whose hearts were discouraged because we, they hadn't passed voting rights. And I know there's going to be a lot of people in this day that are going to feel that kind of discouragement. Reverend Warnock, King gave one of his best speeches that day where he asked people, how long are we going to have to wait? Not long. Because the truth, I'm thinking about the lies we're hearing now, the big lies, the lies of in-person voting, where the truth crushed to the earth will rise again. Don't, don't, don't lie and say there's not a disparate voting reality for blacks and whites in this country right now. The facts speak differently. Don't lie and say that these laws are not being done in a way to make it harder for students to vote. Don't lie and say that we are a nation that should be doing more to ease access as opposed to putting up more barriers because to go 
on more barriers is anti-democratic. Those lies will not live forever. I do believe still that the arc of the moral universe is long and it bends till justice. I still believe that the best of our democracy will come out if people do not give up and are not discouraged. I ask my colleagues right now to continue on the floor today, to continue to tell the truth of what's happening in your states, to continue telling the truth of what's happening in our nation. Because we will win this fight. I don't know how long it will take, but that will be determined by how dedicated we are to the principles of this democracy. We must live in a nation where everyone is equal, not in rhetoric or in slogan or in salutes, but everyone is equal in the experience they have to participating in democracy. The vote is the bedrock of our nation, is the foundation of the country, and it does have cracks that need our repair. Whether we get down on our knees in prayer or we stand tall, let's continue the work of this democracy so that freedom and justice does roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Uh, forgive my, my colleagues for, for speaking well beyond my time, and I apologize if I demonstrated too much emotion. Thank you, Mr. President, Madam President. All right, so that was Senator Tim Scott today. Watch the entire um, rolling broadcast of this all day. So while it was live, we shared it on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Um, Roland Martin broadcast this on the Black Star Media Network. So that was Senator Cory Booker laying down the facts. He kicked Senator Tim Scott's behind. Senator Tim Scott, once again, Isaiah T. Montgomery made a fool out of himself. Um, read this article here from Salon.com. This deals with Texas. Voter suppression, uh, pl uh, plain and simple. Texas closed hundreds of polling sites in black Latino areas. Counties with the largest uh, minority population growth saw 2.5 uh, million new residents and 542 closures of polling places. Wider areas had only 34 closures of polling places. Counties with the largest minority population growth saw 2.5 million new residents, but 542 closures of polling places. Wider areas had just 34 closures of polling places. Read this full article here. This is from March 3rd, 2020 from salon.com. Okay, now... Uh, if we go to the piece from the Washington Post today, um, and yeah, let's refresh this here. Uh, Mansion Cinema joined with GOP in, let's see, Mansion Cinema joined with GOP in rejecting attempt to change filibuster rules, effectively killing Democratic voting bill. They're going to come back and try this a different way. Uh, it's not over now. Uh, you have to uh, keep fighting with this. Economic pressure needs to be put on the corporations that back Mansion and Cinema, as well as the 16 Republicans in the Senate, who in 2006 voted for, voted to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act in 2006 but none of them are voting for it today. 
economic pressure needs to be put on these corporations here who in July 2021 signed on to a letter supporting the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and most of them are silent today. More than 150 companies back update to Voting Rights Act. Major businesses like Pepsi, Macy's, Ikea, and Nestle USA signed on to a letter supporting the John Lewis Voting Rights and Advancement Act. You have uh, companies, Pepsi, Amazon, Target. It's a number of them. Read this article here. Economic pressure has to be put on these corporations. Instead of uh, people going on hunger strikes, and I know they mean well, but you're not redistributing the pain. You you, you got to redistribute the pain, as Dr. King told us, and as I deal with in the article that I wrote, um, April 3rd, 1968, Dr. King said we have to find a way to redistribute the pain. And he said we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. You want to redistribute the pain to those who are obstructionists. You don't go on a hunger strike and jeopardize your health. If you want to engage in a hunger strike, we need to put these corporations cash registers on a hunger strike and redistribute the pain. In his last speech, Dr. King said, always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. He also talked about the need to redistribute the pain when boycotting corporate America. This means when you have mass protests and marches, you have to also have economic boycotts to put pressure on your adversary. The mass protests draw attention to the problem, galvanize support around the issue, so you can then bring people into your plan of action. The economic boycotts and economic withdrawal strategies hurt the opposition economically, weakens them, and causes them to be to, to be open to negotiating with you because you have crippled them economically. You are communicating with them in a language that they understand. People are not communicating with Mansion and Cinema in a language that they understand. People are not communicating with the 16 Republicans in the Senate, like Senator Mitch McConnell, Senator Chuck Grassley, and uh, 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 you, you have the Senator uh, John uh, Jim Inhofe, okay, uh, Senator Susan Collins, concerned Susan Collins of Maine. People are not communicating to them in a language that they understand. This right here shows the 16 senators and this is from uh, the readout with Joanne Reed these are the 16 sitting U.S. senators who in 2006 voted to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act but none of them today support any of these voting rights bills we're not speaking to them in the, in the language that they understand so Economic pressure needs to be put on these corporations, especially those 150 who said that they support passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Well, what are you doing to get the bill passed? Because when you want policies favorable to your corporation, you send your lobbyists in. So we're your lobbyists to get this bill passed. 
So I know people mean well going on hunger strikes, but no, you, we got to redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies, put their cash registers on a hunger strike. Then you get some results. So read this article. You can read all of my articles that I write at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, right on the homepage. Click on read articles by Michael M. Hotel. We'll post a link here also. You can read this one. It's about seven pages, I think. Um, oh, okay. Let's go uh, quickly here. Let's go to uh, the article from the Washington Post from the day. This talks about what happened in the Senate. So um, Manson Cinema joined with GOP in rejecting attempt to change filibuster rules, effectively killing Democratic voting bill. The long, the year long Democratic push for federal voting rights legislation died in the Senate on Wednesday night after Republicans blocked an elections an elections bill for the fifth time in six months. Republicans blocked an elections bill for the fifth time in six months. Democrats wrote the bill. Were Republicans voting rights bill? Democrats wrote the bill. So these Republican obstructionists must be voted out of office in the 2022 midterm election, the ones that are up for re-election in 2022 in the Senate. And these Republican obstructionists, because none of the, I don't think any of the Republicans in the House voted for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or the Freedom to Vote. I don't think any Republicans in the House voted for these voting rights bills. Democrats failed to unite their caucus behind their plan to rewrite the Senate's rules and pass it anyway because of because of Manchin and Cinema. The final clash, which has been brewing since Democrats won congressional majorities a year ago as Republican legislatures in 19 states embarked on a campaign to roll back election access, began with a evening vote to close debate on a sprawling voting rights bill. Okay, it's cloture, the closing the debate, cloture. That vote at the Senate's traditional 60 vote margin for legislation failed on party lines. Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer then moved to reconsider the legislation to propose a rules change allowing for the bill's advancement with a simple majority of 51 votes. The Senate rejected that maneuver by a vote of 52 to 48 with two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten, and Kirsten Sinema, joining all 50 Republicans in opposition. The late evening vote amounted to a bitter but unsurprising finale for the Democratic voting uh, rights effort on Capitol Hill, a campaign backed by top party leaders and pushed by key elements of its coalition, even as Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Sinema recently made clear they would not weaken the 60 vote rule, defending it as a tool to protect minority rights and promote bipartisanship in U.S. democracy. It doesn't promote bipartisanship. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and other top Democrats were determined to push forward with a floor confrontation 
regardless. They were determined to push forward with a floor confrontation regardless, even as it promised to expose bitter divisions inside their own party rather than amplify a GOP blockade that they have described as an existential threat to democracy. A GOP blockade that they have described as an existential threat to democracy. In the final hours of the debate, Democrats pressed the need for action, including a rare rules change that threatened to upend decades of Senate procedure in lofty terms couched in the preservation of democracy, while Republicans angrily countered with accusations that the maneuver amounted to nothing more than a partisan power play. Well, that's what Republicans are doing in state legislatures, a partisan power play with the 400 plus voter suppression bills that they're pushing. Senator Chuck Schumer said Wednesday, shall we see American democracy backslide in our time, grow feeble in the jaws of his adversaries and ultimately succumb to the cancer of voter suppression? The answer in a large scale sense could depend on how we move forward this evening. Now, Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat of Georgia, who's African-American, who faces re-election this year because he's uh, finishing out a uh, Senate seat. OK, he's finishing out a Senate seat, so he, he, he has to run for re-election this year. In in Georgia, in, in, in one of the states subject to new GOP voting laws, Senator Raphael Warnock compared the vote to late activist and Congressman John Lewis's bloody trip across Selma, Alabama, uh, uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge during a 1965 voting rights march. Senator Raphael Warnock said, we're talking about a procedural bridge. I'm still praying that we will cross that bridge, but if not tonight, we will come back again and again and again. At a news conference earlier in the day, President Joe Biden acknowledged the looming setback, but said Democrats were not out of options. Democrats were not out of options and that the fight over changes to voting laws would continue to the midterm elections and beyond. Um, he said, I've, enga I've been engaged in a long time I've been engaged in a long time in public policy and don't know many things that have been done in one fell swoop. Adding that he believed voters would turn out in coming elections and force action in Congress. He said, but it's going to be difficult. I make no bones about that. It's going to be difficult. Republicans have shown little hesitation in marshalling opposition to the Democratic voting legislation, which combines an effort to restore portions of the 1965 Voting Rights Act that have been struck down in recent years by the U.S. Supreme Court, Shelby County versus Holder, 2013 U.S. Supreme Court case, with a broader effort to establish new national standards for federal elections, including minimum minimum requirements for early voting, vote by mail, and other methods of making it easier to vote. All right, so read the rest of this here. 
this is from the Washington Post from today. Mansion Cinema joined with GOP in rejecting attempt to change filibuster rules, effectively killing Democratic voting bill. All right. Um, let me see. We'll post this link here. Okay, this is from the Washington Post. Oh, where is that one? All right, you can read this article. Uh, here is a short excerpt of the speech that I delivered on Monday, the presentation I delivered on Monday for Davis and Elkins College in West Virginia. I had to do a, I had to do the presentation virtually because my connecting flight from Chicago to West Virginia was canceled while I was sitting on the tarmac while I was sitting on the tarmac on the plane. So um I had to get a a flight back to Detroit from Chicago O'Hare Airport and um I got here just in time to change clothes and, and do this presentation. So here's an excerpt of it. Name of this presentation is Dr. King's Distorted Legacy, Reckoning with Racial Injustice. We're coming to get our check. But not the most potent parts of his speech, especially uh, his speech uh, called A Cancel Check, which was renamed I Have a Dream. And his speech, I've been to the mountaintop. Because if you didn't know better, let me ask you, let me just ask a question. How many people have heard the entire speech I've been to the mountaintop, April 3rd, 1968? How many people have heard the entire speech? Because if you just go by the television, you think the speech is like two minutes long. The speech is about 43 minutes long. I mean, Rick, Rick, can people raise their hand? I can see people here. Raise your hand if, you, if you've heard the entire I have uh, 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 been to the mountaintop speech, April 3rd, 1968. Raise your hand. Okay. I don't think a lot of hands are up. All right. So... Just right here, this first slide, uh, we have a lot of history here. We have uh, Dr. King and Adam Clayton Powell Jr. at a press conference in 1965. We have Dr. King meeting with uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad February 24th, 1966. A lot of people don't know this meeting took place. We have Dr. King March 26, 1964, his first and only meeting with Malcolm X. This was at the U.S. Senate debate for the Civil Rights Act of 1964. This is late in the same month that Malcolm officially separates from the nation of Islam. Malcolm officially separates March 8th, 1964. And they were trying to set up another meeting, uh, but Malcolm is assassinated February 21st, 1965. When, when Dr. King is in jail in Selma, Alabama in early 1965, Malcolm goes uh, to Selma and Malcolm meets with Coretta Scott King because Malcolm expressed his interest in working with the civil rights leaders, okay? Uh, here we have uh, uh, Dr. King and uh, Coretta Scott King. And here we have uh, this picture here, Rosa Parks and uh, Dr. King. And this deals with the Montgomery bus boycott, which lasted 381 days. It started Monday morning, December 5th, 1955. It started as a one-day boycott, and it ended up lasting ended up lasting 381 days. Okay. All right. So uh, what we'll do is uh, this presentation is about, 
45 minutes or so, and then we'll open up for questions and answers, all right? So I'm Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, writer, and historian. Uh, our motto uh, is Right Knowledge Corrects Wrong Behavior. We focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. So there's a lot of talk about racial justice and racial injustice, okay? So just to deal with a little uh, a working framework here, um, racial justice is the systematic fair treatment of people of all races that results in equitable uh, opportunities and outcomes for everyone all people are able to achieve their full potential in life, regardless of race, ethnicity, or the community in which they live, okay? And this comes from uh, a piece called Equity Versus Equality and Other Racial Justice Definitions by the Annie E. Casey uh, Foundation. Now, that's not the only source that we can look at, but it's a good source to look at. Um, very briefly, if you look at equity versus equality, equity versus equality, Equity involves trying to understand and give people what they need to enjoy full, healthy lives. Equality, in contrast, aims to ensure that everyone gets the same things in order to enjoy full, healthy lives. Like equity, equality aims to promote fairness and justice, but it can only work if everyone starts from the same place and needs the same things. When you study Dr. King's life, and Dr. King wrote five books as well, and his, his most important book, I think, is uh, his last book, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos uh, to Community. Uh, Dr. King was focused on uh, eradicating racism, systemic racism. Uh, he's focused on, he was anti-war, anti-poverty, anti-racism, okay? And a total restructuring, restructuring of society to have a fair and just society, but also holding America accountable to what they put on paper, to what they put in the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. And this is what he lays out in his speech, which was, which was originally called Normalcy Never Again. Then it was called a canceled check. Then it was called I Have a Dream, because the speech wasn't about a dream. All right? Now, uh, now Brian, do I sound okay? I'm getting, I'm getting some... Uh, some uh, feedback, some uh, wind. So as, as long as I sound okay, that's fine. Okay, good. Now, anytime I speak, I know I may say some things that are outside the circumference of some people's awareness. Just because you never heard them before, disagree with them or don't like them does not mean that they are not true. It just means that you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so uh, just because uh, someone knows everything that they know about what they know does not mean they know everything there is to know about what they know. There's still things that exist outside the circumference of their own awareness. So I try to provide documentation, evidence, sources for you to research this yourself. As I tell people, you don't have to believe a word that I say, proper documentation ends all conversation, all right? So um, we'll talk some about um, a cancel check. I have a dream, we'll talk a little bit about that. How many people knew that Dr. King had a secret friendship with Muhammad Ali? How many people knew about this? There's a, there's a, there's a famous interview that the Associated Press did March 30th, 1967, um, right after Dr. King and Muhammad Ali have a meeting and they talk about their opposition to the Vietnam War. Uh, they talk about the fact that uh, two uh, uh, famous African-American uh, leaders like this should be able to meet and, and the world not be shook up, 
Okay, Muhammad Ali said if uh, uh, Kennedy could meet with uh, Nikita Khrushchev, uh, the the the, the uh, head of the Soviet Union, he said two uh, uh, men like he and Dr. King should be able to meet. And Muhammad Ali was uh, a minister in the Nation of Islam. Dr. King is a Baptist minister. So you would so the the, the way it's positioned is that oh they're not supposed to talk to one another things like this. Well, not not the case. They have a secret friendship. All right, Biography.com has an article about this the secret friendship that Dr. King and uh, uh, Muhammad Ali had. All right, now, if we look here at, uh, and, I, and I've heard excerpts of the speech today and things like this, and they don't deal with, like, the, the most important parts of the speech uh, in, in, in the council check or what's renamed I Have a Dream. Now, Clarence B. Jones was one of Dr. King's speechwriters. He was a close friend and, and one of Dr. King's attorneys. There's an article for the Washington Post from January 16, 2011, called On Martin Luther King Day, Remembering the First Draft of I Have a Dream. Because the phrase I Have a Dream didn't even appear in, in the drafts of, of the speech. The speech wasn't about a dream. The speech was about dismantling white supremacy and racism and holding America accountable for a promissory note, a promise they gave us in 1863 and in the Declaration of Independence and in the U.S. Constitution. And, and calling America out on its hypocrisy and holding America accountable for what they put on paper. That's what the speech is. a promissory note or check for justice. This was an analogy that uh, Dr. King uh, used. And Dr. King was the last speaker. We know that the, uh, the, the March on Washington was a dream for decades of A. Philip Randolph, who was the president of the Brotherhood of Sleepy Car Porters. And he, and he was going to have a march in 1941. Uh, he was going to have a march in 1941, okay? And, the, and, and he was going to have a march and put uh, 100,000 African-Americans marching on Washington to embarrass President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This is before the U.S., this is June 1941, before the U.S. got involved in uh, actually fighting in World War II. This is before December 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was attacked. The reason why uh, A. Philip Randolph was going to have this march on Washington in 1941 was because he... Uh, uh, and others wanted the Department of Defense jobs desegregated, okay, so African-Americans could get those jobs. Well, the day before the march was supposed to take place, President Roosevelt signs Executive Order 8802, which desegregates the Department of Defense jobs, okay? So then, because this is what A. Philip Randolph wanted, so then A. Philip Randolph called off the called off the march. It is going to take place again. They have this idea again in 1957 to have this march on Washington for uh, uh, for, for jobs. Um, a. Philip Randolph wanted. And Dr. King wanted to march on Washington for justice. So they're going to put them together and have the uh, uh, more freedom. Uh, they have the uh, march on Washington for jobs and freedom.
okay? And we know Bayard Rustin was like the, the, the uh, organized the logistics of this. But Dr. King was the last speaker. He was supposed to speak for four and a half minutes. And just like a Baptist preacher, he didn't stay within his time limits. And I'm the same way. So, you know, that's why I keep a stopwatch when I speak. All right. So uh, he spoke, Dr. King spoke for about 16, almost 17 minutes, the majority of it extemporaneously. So at, at one point, uh, the speech was called a canceled check. The speech was actually an amalgam of several of Dr. King's previous talks and sermons, including uh, one sermon, uh, Unfulfilled Hopes in 1959, and uh, The American Dream in 1961 and 1962, all right? Now, uh, and in smithsonianmag.com, which is the official website of the Smithsonian Institute, they have an article, I Have a Dream, it may be difficult, let me see, uh, yeah, they, they, they have um, the, um, uh, information there on I Have a Dream, and you can read the text of the speech as well, and they have the video also, okay, of, of the full speech. All right, so we're going to pause it right there. Um, I'll play some more of that speech on tomorrow's show, that presentation on tomorrow's show. This is, so this presentation was about 45 minutes. This is the presentation I delivered on Monday, January 17th, 2022 to Davis and Elkins College in West Virginia. I had to do the presentation virtually because my, my connecting flight from Chicago to West Virginia was canceled. Um, at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, we have um, the full two-and-a-half-hour presentation that I've done on this topic. Uh, this presentation is called The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the revolutionary, will not be televised on the television. This is a, this is a, the full two and a half hour presentation that I do, and I do a, I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation. I did this at a juice bar um, here in the Metro Detroit area. So this is a deep presentation. We get into the revolutionary Dr. King, a lot of little known history. It's in DVD format and digital download format. It's right on the homepage of AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, digital download format, you can download it and start watching it right away. Digital download format is $8. DVD format is $10. We'll post a link here again. It's right on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, uh, let's post this here. All right. Now, it, uh, you can also register for the online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays um, at our website also, right on the homepage. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. You still have access to the full class even after the course is over with. Um, and we have a special bundle pack right now, so you can register for both classes for uh, only $70. They're regularly $130 each. Okay, so we'll post a link here for the bundle pack also. Um, on the homepage, homepage of our website, we also have the uh, Michael M. Hotep um, 16 a 15 DVD bundle pack as well. That's on the homepage of our website also. So it has uh, 15 of my DVD lectures, including one 
dealing with the origins of African-American history month, things like that. So this presentation is on all different topics in the uh, DVD bundle package. It's right on the homepage. Okay, right here. Michael M. Hotel Black History Month 15 DVD bundle pack. That's still $100. Yeah, those shipping out this week. All right. Okay, look, we have to get out of here. Um, if you want to advertise with the African History Network, email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, our current promotion is buy one month, get two months free. We have three new advertising packages and um, to help you market your African-American-owned business. We have, uh, and we take your 30-second and 60-second commercial, put into the audio, put into the rebroadcast of these shows on our social media platforms, but also it'll go into the audio podcast of these shows that are on 10 different audio podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, FM Player, etc. Okay, so email us at show at africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Also, um, you can support us dollar sign the ahn show through cash app dollar sign the ahn show through cash app also through paypal paypal.me forward slash the ahn show this is our official cash app account dollar sign the ahn show when you go to it it says michael and shows my picture there these other ones are fake african history network cash app accounts all right remember the african history network you focus on educating empowering and inspiring people of african descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct for own behaviors, not over till we win. Uh, we'll kind of forever, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. 
So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese. Because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's the Oscar the Ghost, L-O-X-D block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iredify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music. Black history and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now.